Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good, Elliot. What's uh, going on? Saw a bunch of things this week. A couple announcements from the DOJ about um, uh, either indictments or uh, a sentencing. An announcement about from voluntary self-disclosure, which I found interesting that they took the time to pull from across three departments, Treasury, Justice, and Commerce, about how voluntary self-disclosure, mostly in the sanctions or sanctions-related space, um, how that could impact the outcome of an investigation or a, uh, a review by one of the agencies. Yeah, I think, going back to the, the one you mentioned on voluntary self-disclosure, it, it's probably the last press statement from uh, Andrea Gacki as OFAC director, because as we've mentioned before, she's moving over to FinCEN, I think, August 1st. One of the things in the press release about self-disclosure, besides the fact that it helps at any sort of enforcement, is their focus that it underscores the importance of a robust and effective compliance program. We're certainly used to that in the financial sector. That's important to have. This obviously is a, a broader coverage, as we know, sanctions covers everybody and every corporation, but making it clear that if you discover a potential violation, the company must promptly disclose and remediate. And then uh, that would enable you to be eligible for significant uh, mitigation. So that's always an important way to go. So the full compliance note is available on all their websites. The other thing that's jumped out at me besides yet another enforcement or prosecution is the indictment of this Florida attorney who created a fraudulent charitable contribution tax scheme, which is just, it's so awful. He earned over $10 million. He worked with people to advise them on tax shelters, created an illegal tax shelter. This is an area where it's so important that IRS have their resources needed to investigate and refer cases like this. But yeah, Every time I see something where charities are being used, I go back to my other passion, and that's how humanitarian and charities, because they're, quote, considered high risk by many, get caught up in this the risking issue that we've talked about from time to time. But this is just another example. Again, this guy helped clients falsely claim charitable tax deductions, and the good news is it was discovered. Again, almost $10 million, obviously, the case was done between the Justice Department's tax division and IRSCI, and it's an allegation. Doesn't mean that individual is guilty, but we will wait and see what happens with that. But I thought that was important to continue to talk to folks as you deal with tax-related issues, how important it is that we get this right. One of the things that was caught my eye in here is his activities started in 2013, so here we are 10 years out and the Justice Department and the IRS sought several injunctions. They uh, demanded document production and he was consistent according to the press release related to the indictment. He falsified records and it didn't bother him to hand them to the government as well as uh, anybody else who he had to produce documents to. Very interesting, very convoluted and pretty clear that the $10 million that he allegedly earned went to 
those really important things like very expensive cars. It says in here, he bought a multi-million dollar estate and luxury and a luxury vehicle collection that included Lamborghinis, Rolls Royces, Mercedes Benzes, a Bentley, and a Ferrari. You'll notice that three of those were plurals. So right. one Benz wasn't enough. One Lamborghini wasn't enough. So uh, the other thing that was interesting in the fact pattern is he falsely created the charities as well. You got to give him credit. It was end-to-end service to his tax clients. Exactly. And the other one that you flagged was here in my backyard. An individual from McLean, Virginia, is sentenced to prison for violating uh, Iranian sanctions. And this is one that went on also for a number of years. One of the conspiracies went from 2018 to 2020. Another one, 2013 to 2017. Bottom line was this individual ran a number of businesses. Some were in UAE and others from Iran under the name the FSR Network. So he pleaded guilty. He's going to forfeit $2.8 million and he's going to spend 41 months in prison and three years of supervised release after that. Uh, But the key point is that this person admitted he knew, and he was a U.S. citizen, that he was engaging in businesses with Iranian entities without first obtaining a license or permission from OFAC. He knew that was prohibited. And he also knew it was illegal to engage in transactions intended to evade Iranian sanctions that related to goods, services of Iranian origin or export. Again, took a while to get this to sentencing, but another example of the importance of following sanctions, but also that uh, the Justice Department and other agencies are looking carefully at those that try to circumvent all of this. The first conspiracy, the 2013 to 2017 one, involved illicit shipments of petrochemicals to and from Iran, and he used, wait for it, front company called East and West Shipping that was in Panama, which coming all the way back to one of our other regular topics, which is beneficial ownership transparency. There was one other thing that you pointed out, and I know these were all domestic, but there was a Interpol was involved in helping disrupt a transnational migrant smuggling network. There were 45 million euros of uh, illicit gains. There were uh, 62 arrests. And uh, this involved smuggling people from Cuba, ultimately to Spain, through a complex network of activity that moved through Greece and Serbia. And each of these people apparently were charged 9,000 euros which is a little less than $10,000, but there were over 5,000 of them. It wasn't clear why these people wanted to get to Spain, but it was a circuitous and expensive trip that was clearly illegal. Right. 18 pieces of real estate, 133 vehicles were seized, 144 bank accounts frozen, a major event there. So Interpol, another obviously international organization that bears watching. Uh, Before we jump off, I do want to highlight something that's going on as we're recording. The House Financial Services Committee um, is going through some major markups of 
a number of legislative uh, proposals, some designed to probably get in the National Defense Authorization Act, that omnibus bill that in the past, as we know from AMLA, has been uh, a place where other, often unrelated, but other pieces of legislation uh, get attached. And the, the chairman, McHenry, has Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, who was chairman this year, He's got a bill on digital asset market structure. So they're arguing about who should provide that oversight. But there's also a number of other bills that are being considered by the majority and the minority. There's a Stop Fentanyl Money Laundering Act, which will be interesting to see from the subcommittee chair. There's a No Russia Agricultural Act, as you can guess what that's about. Uh, One on China support for the Taliban So there's a whole host of national security bills, as well as those related to digital assets. We'll certainly report on the outputs next week, because in August, the U.S. Congress goes out for the whole month of August and early September uh, for their, quote, break, unquote. There'll be more to come in the fall, but there'll be a number of things that we can look at and see the potential impact uh, on our community after this legislation moves, if in fact it gets attached to broader legislation or if it goes freestanding, which is also a possibility. Lastly, two things to remind folks of. Another episode of our AML Conversations, the Solution series has dropped. So there's more in there for you to listen to and get some insight into operational activities for your compliance program. And our August webinar will be on AML compliance best practices. And we're putting together a great panel of experts to bring you insights into ways to take a look at your program and ideas against which you can benchmark your program and continue with your constant process improvement. That sounds great. I'm going to be doing an interview on Friday with an expert in the antiquity space doing an interview on Monday on sanctions. So those will get recorded and posted in the future. And as always, if you have an idea for a topic, a somebody we can interview, if and you can offer up some suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. So send those to either Elliot and myself or send it to both of us. We'd love to produce additional content that you find valuable. Have a great weekend, John, and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.